We are going to really quickly frame this series and we're going to get into the Word right now. So I'm going to play a video. Before we do that, can we give a huge round of applause for all of our amazing creative team? They are incredible. They've done a fantastic job today. And for all of our creative team and our youth creative team and anybody who is slightly creative or loves technology and production, if you want to join us after, we're going to be having a lunch in here and I'm going to be speaking and encouraging you. So don't run away if you're interested in being a part of our amazing creative or production or you love video cameras or even taking photos or you you think you know a thing or two about singing or playing an instrument then right here's for you all right let's check out the screens for this video and then we're going to get into it hey harvest church what an incredible honor it is to be connecting with you today we know pastors andrew and rachel and excited to say that we are going to be joining each other in a sense over the month of june because your pastors have talked to us about doing the god money and me curriculum both on the sundays in the weekend and your midweek groups and really God, Money and Me is about this journey. How often in the church, all we talk about is giving, but we don't understand how we can a pathway to financial freedom. And I have sought God, and God, Money and Me has come out of a revelation that there's more to our future than just giving it all away. So it's not something you want to shy away from. In fact, bring friends that have never been in church, and they'll understand God has got a pathway to creating financial release for generations to come. We love you believing God's blessed in the series called God, Money and Me. Awesome, awesome. That was Pastor Paul DeYoung from Life Church in New Zealand and he has written this book called God, Money and Me and we're going to be diving into this series, this topic over the next couple of weeks. Um, at the end of this service, on the doors, on your way out, we've got a copy of this book for every family that's represented here this morning so you can take one of those. I think it's happening somehow. It'll, it will magically happen because people are awesome and there'll be some you know, of those handed out there. Can someone please take that one so I don't get distracted anymore? Family, couple, or if you are flying solo, we have one for you as well. Yeah. Awesome. It's going to bless you. Okay. There's a couple of different taboo topics in church, right? There's a couple of things that we should never, ever talk about from the platform. That should never be spoken about. Three things that I think that should, you know, that have been a bit of a stigma about them that we don't talk about in the house of God, right? Three things. Sex, politics, and money. Calm down, Jaden. Calm down. Calm down. So we don't talk about these things in church. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about politics. And we don't want to talk about money in church. But in all of these topics, we are very happy to gain a worldly perspective on them. We will listen to different things. We'll watch current affairs programs on politics and we'll, we'll follow our, our favourite politicians on Twitter and on Instagram and we'll get their perspective and, you know... Young people are taught through school and through different magazines. Do young people even read magazines anymore? Nobody reads magazines anymore. I read the free Bunnings magazine. Yeah, it's good, isn't it, Norm? That's the one, the Bunnings magazine. But, you know, young people are taught through school and through different devices and even worse, the internet about sex. Not just about sex, but about sexuality. 
We get this worldly bombardment about all of these different topics. You know, the conversation right now globally in the mainstream media and social media schools and universities and workplaces on sexuality and identity, it's more than any other topic. It's, it's dominating. It even drowns out worldwide pandemics. This thing is everywhere. We're happy to listen, listen to Koshi on Sunrise giving us financial advice on what we should do with our money. Or we might go to the bank and we might see an advisor. We read the stock reports and we look at the price of grain go up and the price of grain come down and we talk to different speculators and different people who, you know, when's it going to go? When's it going to change? When's the right time to buy? When's the right time to sell? And we will get ourselves a worldly perspective about all of these things. But we fail to talk about money. You know, money, if you start talking about money in church, people get mad. Oh, pastor, we shouldn't be talking about money in church. It's, it's unbiblical. Well, that's wrong, and I'll talk about that. Or you're only talking about money because the church is just after your money. That's also wrong. The church is not after your money. We're a house of resource where what comes in flows through us to impact the community for the glory of God. But let me start this way. You go off to work, and you expect to get paid for that work, right? Does anybody here want to go to work to not get paid for going to work? Oh, I'm just going to give my boss, I'll give him a free day today. It's fine. Now, you, you go to work, you expect that you're going to get paid for the work that you put in. That's an expectation that we have. You know, and that's biblical because the Bible teaches us that if we don't work, we don't eat, right? And you know, it's hard to provide for your family without finance, without money. Okay. So a large portion of us will go off to work every single day for eight hours, right? You know, some more, some less. You know, but let's choose eight hours as a nice round figure so we can sort of frame this up. We've got eight hours of work. You've got eight hours of sleep, which if you're not getting eight hours of sleep, you probably should talk to Dr. Mark. He could help you um, get <laughs> eight hours of, of sleep. And we've got eight hours of living, all right? So we spend a good third of our life working to get money. We spend another third of our lives dreaming about how we could get more money. And we spend the last third of our lives spending the money that we earn. So money is a big part of our life. And we are a lot more fixated than we realize. We actually, it dominates a lot more things, you know. It's a major part of our life. And as a pastor who believes that the Word of God teaches us not only spiritual things, but practical things, it would be unwise for me not to teach on this topic. You know, with almost a third of your life is geared towards getting or obtaining money, I've got a duty of care to teach and provide a worldview based on the biblical principles around money. Did you realize that a large portion of Scripture is actually dedicated to this topic? of stewardship and finances, this is also a spiritual thing, not just a practical thing. There are 10 times as many scriptures in the Bible that refer to stewardship and finance than there are about faith. 10 times as many scriptures that, about finance and money that then refer to salvation. But everyone would be very happy if the pastor just got up on a Sunday morning and spoke a faith message or spoke about how do we get saved or... But as soon as we start talking about money, people get, oh, hang on, this is touchy ground right here. But I know that the guys up in Neil, they don't think like that. They're like, oh, no, come on, pastor, preach it. 
So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving into this and what it means to have a biblical perspective on financial freedom. You know what? If you pay attention and you're not just, you know, jumping onto watching TikToks or... Um, yeah, that's it. If you're not taking notes on your phone, turn your phone off. That's the thing. But you might just learn something because money determines more than we realise. George and Bessie are an older couple. They're maybe in their, their 60s, early 70s, and they... They love to go to the country fair every single year. And the country fair, everybody knows, you know, there's some great country fairs and festivals. And they go there and it's got the big Ferris wheel and it's got all the rides and it's got the popcorn stand and it's got the, the, the fairy floss. And over on the side, on the far side, there's a little airstrip and there's a tiger moth airplane over there. And they offer rides for $10. $10 for a ride in a tiger moth. Right, so, and I don't know who the pilot is. Maybe it's Brian Creek because he does have a tiger moth up there in Neil somewhere. But George is keen as a bean to go in a tiger moth, and every year he drags Bessie over to the to the line to, to have a look and, and have a look at the plane. And he's like, "Bessie, come on, it's it's only ten dollars. We can do this. I really would like to go." And Bessie just turns to George and says, "George, ten dollars." is $10. And this happens year after year after year. He, George sees the plane over on the side and he, he comes over and says, Bessie, come over. We'll, we'll talk. Maybe this is the year. And he's thinking to himself, I'm going to be able to convince her that we can go on this plane. And he's excited. He, and he gets there and, he, and he's like, come on, come on, Bessie, let's go. Let's, let's do this this year. It's only $10. And Bessie looks at him again and says, George, $10 is $10. Anyway, finally, he's getting into his 80s. And he says, if, if I don't go this year, I might not get another opportunity. And I really want to go on this tiger moth. So he drags her over again. And he says, come on, Bessie. Let, let's do it. This is my last opportunity. Come on. Can we, can we go and do this? Please. And he says, it's only $10. And she looks at him again. She says, George, you know what I've said. $10 is $10. Anyway, this year, the pilot overhears that conversation. And he comes over and he says, look, I've, I've seen you before coming every year and you, you've never gone on the plane and, and I heard you talking about it being a little bit of a stretch financially. So what I want to do is this, I'm going to offer you, you, I will take you up for free in this plane. But if you make a sound, then you'll have to pay the $10. If you scream or you get excited or you gasp, you're going to have to pay $10. So George looks at Bessie, Bessie looks at George, and they think, well, this is going to work. This is a great deal. I think we can do this. So they get in the plane, and the pilot takes them up into the air. And he's doing the barrel rolls and the loop-de-loops and the twists. And you know what? They are completely quiet. So he's like, gee, these guys are tough to crack. So he, he tries a big stall and comes back down and does a few extra loop things. And, you know, I would be screaming at this point, but there's not a sound. Anyway, he's coming back into land and he turns to George and he says, well, you guys did really well. I'm so surprised. And George says, well, I was actually going to say something when Bessie fell out. <laughs> but $10 is $10. Does money determine all of the decisions that we make? Does money determine all of the decisions that we make? And there's a couple of things before we go into some money misunderstandings that we actually have to determine. First one is this, is that money builds and money destroys. Money builds and money destroys. Proverbs chapter 
11, verse 10 to 11 says that when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. You know, when we live in a way that blesses our city, the city gets exalted, the city gets lifted. We are actually called to make an impact in our community. Did you realize that? We're not just here for the church. The church was never built for just us. This is not just us four and no more. No, we're here to impact the city. All right? Do you know more Christians will listen to the internet than they'll listen to God's word? That's actually a certifiable fact. We spend more time on the internet than we actually do in the pages of the Bible. You know, that's most Christians. I'm not talking about you guys because I know you're actually really spiritual. But... This is really true, especially on things to do with how we deal with our finances. You know, there's arguments all over the internet about how we should view God, how we can actually, what our theology should be, and, you know, different arguments for this, different arguments for that, but also how we use our money. You know, fire can be a really good thing, right? You know, it can warm us, it can heat our home, it can, uh, it can help us cook a meal, you know, it can even... In, the, in an emergency situation can cauterize a wound so that it can help you heal. So fire can be a good thing. But fire can also destroy stuff, right? Fire could burn down a house. Fire, and we've known it in this area where fire can sweep through and destroy properties. Um, so should we get rid of all fire? Or should we never talk about how to deal with it properly? No, fire belongs in fireplaces with boundaries. You know, money can build, but money can also destroy. But does money drive the decisions on where you live? Does money just drive the decisions on where you work? You ever had a good opportunity to work somewhere else that was going to pay you heaps more? You think, oh, that's enticing. Um, Does money drive your decisions on where you send your kids to school? Does money drive the decisions on what you wear? For a lot of us, it does. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Does money build or does money destroy your life? The second point is money releases and it controls. Money releases and it controls. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Did you realize that there are two ways in which we can live when it comes to our finances? We can allow money to control us or we can take control over our money. Money could release so many things in your life. It could release your time. It could release your generosity. It could release your passion. When you're under its control, you end up working for it and not the other way around. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. And Rachel kind of touched on this a little bit before. She was trying to steal a little bit of the thunder. That's okay. Um, If anyone's going to steal the thunder, Rachel can do that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what we sows. Many things are beyond my control But harvest is not one of those things. 
Harvest is not one of those things that's beyond my control. And so often in church, all we've done, and many churches will only ever talk about money from the perspective of giving. You should give more. You should you know, sow into your church more. We're taught to sow and sow and sow. But you know, the Bible's perspective on finances and money is about the principle of sowing and reaping. So we've been taught in church for many, many years just to sow, but never to reap. So harvest is something that we can actually control. Farmers, did you know, and you do know because a lot of you are farmers, one of the hardest, the, the longest working hours in a farmer's calendar year is when? Harvest. Farmers work harder in the harvest than in the cropping. They work harder to actually pull it back in because they know that when they've sown, they're going to reap. Let's have a look at Isaiah 28 and verse 23 in the message. It says, listen to me now. Give me your closest attention. Do farmers plow and plow and do nothing but plow? Or harrow and harrow and do nothing but harrow? After they've prepared the ground, don't they plant? Don't they scatter dill and spread cumin and plant wheat and barley in the fields and raspberries along the borders? They know exactly what to do and when to do it. Their God is their teacher. So many things are beyond my control, but harvest isn't one of them. So what do I mean by this? We have got complete control over where we sow, what we sow, and when we sow. We know through experience the right time to sow. We can't control the weather, but we can control the harvest. Why do we not want to talk about money? Why is it that we don't like to talk about money? And I think it's this. I think it's because the enemy does not want us to have dominion. He does not want us to live free from the bondages that come with it. He doesn't want us to live in freedom. He wants to use money to control us. How do we, feel, how do we change this? Well, you know what? We've first got to challenge some preconceived notions about money. We've got to challenge the misunderstandings. And I've got five misunderstandings about money that I want to dive in today. The first one is that Financial freedom is only for some people. Financial freedom is only for some people. Picture a circus. Have you ever been to the circus? Yeah, a couple of people. Does the circus often come to Horsham? Mm, getting a few. Okay. But have you ever seen an elephant at the circus? Or even on a movie or on the TV, seen an elephant at the circus? So the way that they train the elephants to stay within their boundaries is that what they'll do is they'll take a young elephant and they'll put a chain around its leg, and they'll drive a stake deep into the ground so that the elephant can only move a short way and it can't pull the stake out of the ground. So it can only walk around in a little circle, can only, only move so far, and the young elephant doesn't have the strength to be able to pull the stake out of the ground. But when the elephant grows, what they can actually do is actually remove the chain and they can put on just a, a light rope. And they take the big stake out and they put a, a small wooden stake into the ground because the elephant, as it grows, has learnt that, oh, I'm supposed to stay near the stake. I'm just going to walk around here and I, I, I don't have the strength to be able to pull that out of the ground. I've tried it before and it hasn't worked. So my learned experience is that there's a stake in the ground and I've got a rope on my leg, I can't move. Even though the elephant had well enough the strength to actually pull it out of the ground. You know, well, we can be like this elephant. We're raised believing that our situation can limit us in so many ways. We're raised believing what we're raised believing about God can limit us and what he can do in us. 
But John 8, 31 to 32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But the truth of the word of God can set us free from the bondages of the world that we've allowed to actually hold us in and limit us. What mistruths have you believed about money? That debt is a good thing? That credit or having it now is, is really the best way to live? Because we live in a world that teaches us that yeah, you can have it now. You can have it all. Yeah, you, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't, just, you can have it now. And we've been, we've been told these lies. The next scripture that I'm going to read is going to frame the next few weeks and we've got to be able to understand this principle if we're ever going to live free. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. If you're writing down any scriptures, write this one down. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you know grace... As it says in, in, in this scripture, it says in, in another version, it says that all grace abound to you. You know, it's not just about saving grace. This is about all grace abounding towards you. And I, w- I really want to quickly look at six, I'm just counting things here, six A words that are in this passage of scripture that we need to focus on. The first one is able. God is able. God is more than able to bless us. He is able. But we often don't think that he is able. Our mindset goes, well, I've just been in this situation for far too long. God's not able. But God is able. The second one is abundance. Do you know abundance comes from the root word overflow? That means overflow. You know, copious amounts. God is able to bring abundance, bless you abundantly, so that in these three things, all things, everyone say all things, at all times, all that, that's right, all things, all time, all that, so that you will have all things, not, this is not just talking about all spiritual things, this is talking about all things, all things. So that in all times, not just when it's good and when it's bad, but that in all times you are ready, you are able to do all that, all that he's asking of you, that you will abound. Did you know the word abound? It literally means to exist in large numbers. Right? So if we go back over this scripture and we read it, I'm going to read it in the, in the New Living Translation. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This right here is how we should live. So that when your neighbor comes to you and says, I'm struggling, you can go, let me be of assistance to you. Instead of saying, I actually can't right now. Is scripture can't be ignored. There's enough for you, enough for others, and enough for every good work. This is not just talking about spiritual things. It's talking about all things. Let's have a look at 3 John 2. 3, yeah, 3 John 2 and verse 2. Is that right? Did I get that right? If it's not in there, I'm going to read it anyway. 
Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. All may go well with you. Let's look at this from John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And in the NIV it says, to the full. God doesn't want us living in a way where we're living a mediocre just existence, a full and abundant life. So we've got to assess where we are on this journey and allowing our mindset to think that financial freedom is only for certain people is wrong. Are we willing over this next few weeks to change our mindset or challenge what we think? Here's the second thing. I'm going to race through a few of these, so lots of scriptures to write down. The second thing is that I don't need more money. That's the second myth or mindset or misunderstanding that we often have as Christians is that I don't need more money. Well, of course you don't if you're all about yourself. If it's just about you, then maybe you're okay. But if you want to live bigger than that, then, oh, yeah, you're going to need some more. So we just read, you know, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to bless you abundantly so that you can do all things at all times, having all that you need. You will abound in every good work. You know what? We are called to be a river, not a dam. We're called to allow finance to come in and to flow through us. You know, we have this thought sometimes, say, oh, maybe I've got enough and, you know, I'm fine. But I want to tell you something. If you have enough money, you've got a problem. That's not a worldly perspective, is it? If you've got enough, you've got a problem. It means you're only focused on right now and you're only focused on you. You know, in a sense, having enough, selfish. Well, hang on. Pastor, you're speaking a little bit close to the bone today. I'm speaking so that I can catch some of this too, you know. Hey, I always will try to preach to one person in the room. If I can preach to myself, at least I know one person's going to get it. But when we have that, it doesn't show any vision. It doesn't show any desire to live beyond or live in a life of abundance. But if you don't have enough and you're always scratching and scraping and trying to get through, then you're not able to be a blessing to resource the kingdom. Many of us think that if we really need, God will provide. But he uses people to provide. You know, cash doesn't just appear in your bank account from nowhere. A meal just doesn't rock up at your door when you're hungry because you prayed a prayer and God just dropped off a meal at your door. You know, somebody did that. God speaks to people to bless others. You know, Uber Eats is not going to come and and feed you. Somebody paid for that. Well, they're not going to come in Horsham because they're not in Horsham. But menu log, whatever. Macca's delivery. God uses us to provide and meet needs. Leviticus chapter 23, 22 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. That's a commandment. If you actually read the study the language, that I am the Lord your God at the end emphasizes this is a command. When you are actually gathering everything for yourself, leave some for others. 
Is anyone getting challenged by this today? I am. I am. God's desire for us is to live in a way where we can be a blessing on every occasion. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What's the ultimate goal? Thanksgiving to God. We're drawing attention to Him. Not to us, not to our bank balance. You know, most people think that they'll be better off. Um, you know, I'll be better with money when I've got a bit more. I'll be a bit more disciplined. I'll do that. No, you won't. No, you won't. It's the little things that matter. Money just magnifies who we actually are. The more of it we have, the more magnified that is. So if we are stingy and we get more money, guess what you're going to be? Even more stingy. Right? But if you're generous and you get a bit more, what are you going to do? You're going to be more generous. It's in the little things that we actually are disciplined around. You know, we think that, oh, you know what? I'll start tithing. We're going to dive into tithing next week. I'm going to, I'm going to start tithing when I actually get a little bit more. No, you won't. Oh, but a pastor, I can't afford to. Yes, you can. And this is what this whole course, is, uh, this whole program is all about. We actually want to teach you a pathway to get in control of your finances. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You know, it doesn't start with, oh, well, when, you know, I'll start being faithful with my tithe when I've got a little bit more. Yeah, no, you. You know, if you can't be faithful with the tithe when you have a little, you won't be faithful with it when you have much because you're not teaching yourself the principles. If money is your priority, it will be your authority. If money is your priority, it will be your authority. You know what? There's more work for us to do. As a church, we need more money. I'm telling you that, being honest. Why? Because this house is always going to be a house where we have more vision than we have resource. We already stood up here and declared that we want to go after 5% of our population of Horsham. For those of you who didn't do the math on the day, that's around about 900 to 950 people. That's what we want here. But we also then want to plant churches in around 10 or 11 towns around us. So we've got big vision. So we need to actually do this. This is, this is what I'm, I'm being honest. But I'm not asking you to come and go, oh, well, our pastor's asking me to give more. So no, no. We need more so that we can do more. There's more lives to impact, more people to reach, more needs to meet, more lives to change, more communities to impact. You know, money says to vision, I can release you. Money says to need, I can help you. Money says to debt, I can free you. Money says to time, I can direct you. Imagine if all your time wasn't spent serving money. What could you do? Exactly. Third thing. Bible teaches that money is evil. This is a misunderstanding of the Bible. The Bible teaches that money is evil. No, is money evil? No. Is unsurrendered money have a spirit to it? Yes. Let's look at the word. There's a word used in the Bible where we often get this fear about money being evil from, and it's the word mammon. Has anyone ever heard of that? No, it is not what you're having for lunch today. 
Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon literally means money or money God. You know, most translations will call it money. We're going to dive into that a little bit more next week. We're going to go take this over four weeks. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money. That's the right scripture, isn't it? 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Let's look at that in the Passion Translation just really quickly. Loving money is the first step to all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. So it's like when we talk about having an obsession with money. We need more, but we're not obsessed by it. You know, that's the thing that leads to all kinds of evil when we have an obsession. You know, obsession can also be two-sided. You know, you can have a lot but want more to store up treasures here, you know, or you can have a little and want a lot. You know, most people have a problem with money. Some people who are rich, they want even more. Some people who are poor look at the people who are rich and go, well, why can't I have what they have? There's a problem either way. Either way, you've got an issue. Desiring money for greed is evil. Let's call it what it is. Desiring resource to bless others is not. I've got a few hmms on that one. People take it in. You know, the concept we're talking about here is breaking the cycle of being dominated by money so that you can live free. Do you think that God designed us to be bound by money and money problems, debt, credit, anxiety, etc.? What's one of the things that keeps you up at night? Wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. No, not your phone, Jaden. <laughs> when you're older, you might understand. What are the three things? What are, what are some of the things that um, that married couples argue about the most? Money, sex, and children. And true, if you think about it. It's one of the things that, that drives a wedge. So we need to have a good biblical principle about it. Is money in itself evil? No. Money is inanimate. It's amoral. It has no spirit. It has no will. It's a piece of paper or plastic that the government has given authority over to be worth a certain value. And whenever it comes from whatever source it does into my hand is when it becomes one of two things. It either becomes an instrument of God's will over my life or it becomes an instrument of my will over my life. You see, the second one is connected to the stranglehold. You know, um, the second one is connected to the stranglehold of the enemy to make money bigger than it really is in your life. It all comes down to whether or not your will is submitted to God's will. So should we talk about it? Yes, we should. The church is the perfect place to talk about it, you know, and the only place that we can bring a biblical and spiritual perspective. Because let's be honest, Koshi is not going to get up there on sunrise and quote Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He's not going to do it. But we will do it here. It comes down to what we pursue. The love of money 
equals priority of focus. When money is a director of your focus, then it has become your love. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I'm going to skip one scripture and we're going to dive into a quote from Alexander Dumas. Do not value money for any more or any less than it is worth. Money is a good servant, but a bad master. Money is a good servant, but a bad master. I think that's pretty much what we need to learn today. Some of us have been serving money, but money was actually decided to serve us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you know that wealth is uncertain, but God is certain? All right, fourth thing, and I'm going to rush through these last two if the, if the team want to come and join us. Actually, you know what, team, stay where you are. Ain't nobody got time for that at the end of the service today because I'm <laughs> preaching, you know, we're on a roll. <laughs> All right, Jesus, how about this? Jesus modeled the life of living with little. Jesus modeled the life of living with little, so shouldn't we also model the life of living with little? You know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. So we look at that and we go, well, Jesus gave up everything and he became really poor, so shouldn't we also be poor? You know, I want to ask you a question. What's heaven going to be like? Apparently. Streets of gold, covered in gold. God is rich beyond measure. He's rich beyond description. And he gave that up to come to earth so that we could also become rich. You know this word in here is that through his poverty we might become rich. You know that word there begs of abounding in material resources. Abounding in material resources. So in heaven we don't have material resources. Where are we going to get them? Ooh. So we accept, right, that Jesus could be killed so that we could be free, healed, but not that he has our best in mind when it comes to our finances. Didn't Jesus live poor, though? Yeah, we just read that from there, but we can spiritualize the scripture, but he also was incredibly rich. The Bible teaches us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you know that the book of John, chapter 12, talks about Judas, Judas was the treasurer of the organization. So he was on the board of directors of the disciple committee and he held the money bag, right? But he kept putting his hand in it. He kept having to steal from it. And he helped him, it says in here in the scripture that he helped himself to it whenever he felt like it. What was he going to help himself to if there wasn't anything in the money bag? Jesus ran a ministry, people gave offerings. It wasn't just all about come to the feeding of the 5,000 where I'm going to feed you. No, they also provided for him. He didn't lack anything. And you can't say about Jesus that he didn't live in such a way that on all things, in all times, in all that you need to be able to be generous to other people. That's what he modelled. He was and is rich beyond measure. That word rich is plutizo, material wealth. Not ethereal, not spiritual, but it's an abundance of material things. Psalm chapter 25 verse 12 says, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them for the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity. Whoa, that's a dirty word. 
They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. You know, prosperity is not a dirty word. It's a biblical concept. And we're going to expand on this. This is not a prosperity gospel where if you come to church and you give your life to Jesus, then all of your problems will be over and he is going to fill your bank account with all of this cash. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Too many people are afraid of that word, prosperity, and it's a trigger. People hear that and they get, can't say that word in church. No, I think we probably should talk about it. But when we learn how to live free, we're able to help set others free. You know, we've read before, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. You know, Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. What about sending the disciples out without anything? You know, that's them learning how to trust God. And we need to learn how to trust God with our little or our lot. You know, Gosh, I've got so many more notes. Bear with me. We're almost there. All right. Mark chapter 10, 29 says, Truly I tell you, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel. That sounded like a rap. For me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come. In the age to come, eternal life. So it says that we're going to get a hundred, hang on, we're going to get homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, whoops, and in the age to come, we're going to get eternal life. If you sacrifice for God, God actually sacrifices for you. That's, all right, I'm just trying to skip ahead right here. So it's not about poverty and prosperity. It's about changing the way we see God. It's about heart change. And the final point is this, is that God doesn't need my money. God doesn't need, you've already told me, Pastor Andrew, that God is rich beyond measure. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Heaven is paved with gold. God doesn't need my money. No. In actual fact, God doesn't want what is yours. He wants what is his. And we're going to dive into that more next week and stuff like that. But the truth is this, God is after your heart. God is after your heart. Where your treasure lies, there your heart will also lie. You know what? Let's talk. I'm wrapping up with this, I promise. Let's talk really real. As a pastor, it's no skin off my nose if you tithe or you don't tithe. It's no skin off my nose if you give or you don't give. Because believe it or not, you're not the source of my supply. My, my supply is, is far greater than that. My supply is in heavenly realms. And if everyone in the church decided that, oh, hang on, well, that's it. I don't want to do that anymore. Well, then you know what? That's no skin off my nose. Because this is not my supply. My supply is in heavenly places. God's the one. He's got my future. He's got my family. He's got my finances. Not someone who is going to tithe or not based on whether the preaching was good that day. You know, but I actually could care. I actually do care about you. So in a way, I do care whether you tithe. Because it's actually not about me. It's about seeing you actually obeying and following biblical principles. And getting a revelation of how you can be free from the bondages that are often associated with money. All right. Let's agree about these things. Everybody needs money. Therefore, everyone needs to know how to use money. 
The church should teach how to use money from a biblical perspective. And if we don't, someone else is going to do it. You know, I've said it before. Ultimately, you know what? This is not about money today. It's about your heart. And I should have got the keys up here because this is a, one of those keys moments. But that's okay. Why do we stand? You know, God is after your heart. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got a plan for you. This conversation is not about money. It's about lordship. It's about who is Lord over your life. Are you prepared to live in a way where you're going to fight for control all the time? Are you willing to trust him and hand over control of your life, your family, to the Lord Jesus Christ? Come on. We're going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. I want to ask people in this place for that. If you want to bow your heads and close your eyes just in this moment right now, up at Neil online, just take this moment. Who is Lord of your life? Is it you or is it Jesus Christ? Because that's ultimately what this is all about. This is all about inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life. And I want to ask if there's no, one's, no one in here is looking around. There's nobody here who's, 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 who's watching you right now. This is between you and God. But if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, I said, Pastor, didn't you just preach about money? No, no. I spoke about lordship. And who is Lord of your life? If that's you and you're here today and you want to accept Jesus in your heart, why don't you just put your hand up real quick and I'll see it. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that one hand. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Up there in Neil, why don't you do the same? If you're online, you know, why don't you private message us or we want to be able to help you. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, today I make a stand. I I want to make you Lord I want to hand over control control. because I can't do this this. and I need you. you. I'm sorry sorry. for living my my own way, for living living in sin, for living with shame. shame. And today, today, I hand it all over to you. I thank you that you died for my sin and that you rose again so I can live in freedom with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome. Hey, church, this has been awesome. I know today went a little bit longer and the creative team are going to stick around and we're going to have some lunch. But over the next couple of weeks, they will be shorter messages, I promise. I needed to get this one out of the way to frame with you. So we're going to put some music on. You guys can go, hey, we love you, church. Hang on one more time. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you before you head off. And I'm going to ask that if you're not in the creative team and you're just going to go and have a coffee, why don't you go and do that out in the foyer spaces or in the cafe space because we're going to have a catch-up in here with all of our creatives and people who are interested in being in the team. But all right, let's raise our hands to heaven. Let's, let's accept this prayer of blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you.